Well, it'll just be you, me, and Nick. Spencer, you always get all the answers. I'm kind of a big deal. Whenever you hear the music, Colin, take it away. It's time for the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Let's mix it up with a breakdown of some local, regional, and national sports with Spencer Dupuis, Nick Verzellini, and Colin McLaughlin. Good Monday afternoon and welcome into this week's first edition of the Sports Mix for your Monday, August 22nd, brought to you in part by the Brown Funeral Home and Cremations. Robert Fields and Sons, a family-owned full-service funeral home that has probably served our area since 1880. Spencer Puinick, Verzellini, and Colin McLaughlin, happy to have you with us as we've got a big week this week. High school football in the Mountain State begins. We'll get it all started on Thursday night for the annual EPAC opener as Washington travels to Hedgesville to take on the Eagles. 7 p.m. kickoff, 6 p.m. W. Harley Miller Systems pregame show on Talk Radio WRNR TV 10 and WRNR TV on YouTube. Then Friday, Martinsburg hosts Salem out of Virginia again, 7 p.m. kickoff, 6 p.m. pregame show uh, again on TV 10, Talk Radio WRNR and WRNR TV on YouTube. Uh, we'll get more into that later in the show, but this weekend, uh, on Saturday, we we're over at Rams Stadium at Shepard for uh, the Rams Media Day and annual scrimmage, and uh, this Rams team is looking to get back to where they were last year and make it even further, Nick. Yeah, I think uh, Shepard has an exciting team this year, um, led by Tyson Bajan at quarterback, and, and there are definitely some question marks on this team I think the defense who kind of struggled at times last year uh, but really knew how to make stops at the right time uh, loses a lot you know Chris Lane is gone at linebacker uh, Ponce de Leon is gone in the secondary and you know two of their interior defensive linemen are gone in Juwan Addison and Ricky Robinson uh, so they're looking for some fresh blood on defense and seeing what they can get out of some of their younger guys that return uh, linebacker Dwayne Grantham's a guy to maybe look out for to fill kind of that Chris Lane role. Uh, but one thing that will be back is their pass rush, Malik Holloway and Kyle Smith. So, you know, they have some definitely some good pieces there. And then offensively, there are some question marks, I think, about wide receivers. Uh, Ryan Beach is back, but they lose most of their, their veterans from last year. They lose uh, tight end Alex Wetzel. They have tied up Brian Walker still, but still uh, trying to fill some of those holes. But that was kind of the question heading into last year, right? Yeah. I mean, and nobody knew who was going to play wide receiver, and they ended up having the one of the best you know wide receiver cores in college football at the Division two level. So I'm not too worried about it in terms of those positions because I think Tyson can elevate those guys uh, to new heights, and they'll have a really successful offense. Defense, you have some question marks, but – uh, you know, they got a lot of young guys that I think are excited. And the offensive line returns the majority of its starters. And running back Ronnie Brown is there. And they get some new guys in, in the backfield that they're really excited about. So, overall, I think Shepard should at least be in contention for the PSAC championship and can definitely make another deep run this year. Uh, but once we kind of learn more about this team, we'll have a better idea of what are the actual expectations. But I think expectations should be playoffs least for the Shepherd football team and, and I think the, their ceiling is national championship yeah I think everybody would be surprised if Shepherd does not reach a playoff spot this season and the goal I think step one is to finally get that PSAC championship 
something yeah. that the Rams have uh, failed to do in their brief time in the PSAC. And the final year with Tyson Bajan at the quarterback spot, it's definitely doable with the key players that he has around him on that offensive side and Ryan Beach and uh, Ronnie Brown as well. And we'll have to wait and see how much depth they have. When we went there, it seemed like they had a good bit of depth, but hopefully uh, the guys that are behind the key players can shine and help out if a guy is struggling any given week, which obviously we don't want to see happen because this can be the best offense yet again in the entire nation at the Division II level. And the defense, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, we saw some good things out of them during the uh, scrimmage, during the time that we were there on Saturday. But you have to wait and see how they do in those situations against teams like Cutstown, against like Westchester, IUP, Cal U. And if they can get even more stops, like I said, I think before a few weeks ago when we talked about the defense, I think they'll be in a great situation to, as you said, that ceiling finally get a national championship. Yeah, and I think uh, some some things that we heard from Coach McCook when he was talking at the media day uh, presser, at the luncheon was that you know these are not his exact words but basically with Tyson staying they've been able to attract players that want to play with Tyson essentially in the transfer portal uh whether it's coming down to D2 or you know moving over from you got they got a Notre Dame Ohio transfer so they've got a lot of transfers coming into this program and you know one of the other things that he harped on is a lot of these guys they're finishing their degrees here and that just goes to show the academic side of you being a student athlete. But, uh, Nick, you were able to catch up with starting quarterback Tyson Bajan after the luncheon was ending, right before they went over for a, a team-wide autograph session for the fans, and then that was before the scrimmage. Uh, you want to roll the interview right now? Receiver Rams quarterback Tyson Bajant. Tyson, uh, coming off of a great season last year at the Harlan Hill, and you guys making it to the semifinals. Uh, what are some of the goals for you individually this year and uh, for the team? Um, I think, you know, the goals for the team, they stay the same every year. We want to win a national championship. Um, definitely we want to win the PSAC. We want to make it to the regional championship. And then we want to win the last game that we play. Um, I think individually I've kind of done everything that I can. And I really I just want to value taking care of the football this year and ending drive with points and, and creating a, a, a fellowship and a bond with my teammates. Offensively, you returned some of your weapons from last year. Ronnie Brown, Ryan Beach, uh, Brian Walker's back. We'll have a bigger role this year at tight end. Uh, but you do have some young guys and some newcomers. What have you seen out of those guys uh, that surround you this year? I think the eagerness to learn, the eagerness to get better, and just kind of the understanding of what this offense is capable of. And I think, you know, like Coach said, um, people want to be a part of it. So, you know, we've gotten some good transfers. We've got some good young guys that understand what it takes and what it looks like. And then it's just kind of up to us old guys to kind of pave the way, make them feel as comfortable as possible, and to kind of, you know, mix them in as we go. And as a team, just as a whole, uh, you lose some of your big leaders in uh, Chris Lane, Ponce de Leon, uh, but you return, Kyle Smith returns, and, and some other guys. So uh, how have you guys been able to, I guess, lead this, this newer and younger team uh, this year? I think it's the same as, as every year. I think uh, every year you lose leaders, uh, you keep leaders, and you gain new leaders. So we're kind of just going about it as the way that it's been shown to us in years past. And um, I think the camaraderie and kind of the bond that's been already formed throughout camp, um, it's, it's been just like any, any great year that I've been here at Shepherd. 
Anyone stand out to you uh, out of some of the newcomers offensively? Um, yeah, I would say, you know, not, not necessarily a newcomer. Ronnie Brown is head and shoulders better than he was last year. A lot more mature, a lot more physically gifted this year. I think Avon Holly has definitely stepped up to the table at running back. Um, defense to offense last year, kind of getting the gist of it, and I think he's got it. He's got a good hold of it now. Uh, I think Kenny, Kenny Edlin, uh, Alfonso Ferre, Marlon Cook, um, Rodney Dorsey's back after breaking his foot last year. Um, these are all guys that have showed uh, great improvement in camp, and that I think come week one will be ready to roll. And then uh, scrimmage today. What are some things you want to see out of the guys today at the scrimmage? I just want to just want um, you know have fun. And you know, you get beat physically one on one. That that happens, but you know, no mental errors. There shouldn't be anybody out there, you know, kind of kind of messing up mentally, doing their own thing. You know, stay locked in, have fun, and always do the right thing at a, at, a, at a high speed. All right, Tyson, thank you, and uh, have fun today at the scrimmage. Yes, sir, thank you. That was Nick catching up with Shepard Rams starting quarterback in 2021 Harlan Hill Trophy winner Tyson Bajent. Uh You'll be able to hear Tyson Bajent. Is that correct? For one segment every Monday night? Yeah, every Monday night at the Neon Moon there on Shepherdstown Road. We will be having Monday Night Mayhem with myself, Dylan Bishop, and the Beast Travis Bajant from 6 to 8. Travis will uh, be getting there from that 7 to 8 o'clock hour as well as Tyson Bajant just to hang out at the Neon Moon, have a great show, and uh, get ready for some Monday Night Football that will be starting a week from today and also hopefully getting some uh special guests lined up every single week including guys like uh ernie mccook hopefully just trying to finalize some things here and there but we'll have some other players and uh coaches from around the area too so looking forward to that starting at the neon moon a week from today yeah that'll be on tv 10 wrnr tv on youtube i believe we haven't fully decided what's going on facebook or youtube so I would, I would think YouTube. I would think YouTube, uh, but we don't know for sure yet. We haven't and actually finalized where Don't forget, on. we're working on kind of something similar to EPAC All Access for Shepard. Not quite as in depth, maybe, but yeah. probably like a 15 minute package or so with uh, sound bites from Coach McCook, uh, Tyson. Obviously, that interview will be in there, and uh, stuff from Ryan Beach and Kyle Smith as well, and some clips from camp and sp- or the spring. Or not spring, but the scrimmage from yesterday. <laughs> yeah, uh, that'll probably what you, you want to air that right before the pregame show next week, probably. Yeah, maybe during the week before that. Yeah, I don't we'll know. figure it out. I'll, we've I'll got a we got a lot. See to how long it is. Week. See how yep. it all comes together. But working on it. But otherwise, what were your overall thoughts on this Shepherd team going into this season? They'll start next Thursday at Southern Connecticut State, five thirty kickoff. Believe five thirty kickoff will be there. Yeah. Uh, with a five p.m. pregame show on TV ten WR and RTV on YouTube. But what are your final thoughts on this team going into this twenty twenty two season? Well, I liked a lot of the things I saw. I heard Tyson mention Marlon Cook, wide receiver who uh, showed some bright spots. He was in one of those clips during him talking as well making a nice nice catch on the sideline uh you know he was a guy that showed a few flashes as a sophomore 6-2 receiver could be kind of that Josh Gonteric like role uh for Shepard so I think a lot of those young receivers made some nice plays um and I think they'll be fine at those positions even though that is kind of the question mark heading in for the offense and uh defensively early on you know they struggled uh I thought like to really slow down that offense but obviously they're going up against a potential number one offense again in the country uh but as 
practice went on and as the uh, scrimmage went on, I thought the defense made a few nice plays, got a few stops here and there. So I think defensively they'll, they'll be fine. And uh, I'm really excited for the season. I think Shepard's got a great schedule too. Um, some big home games like Cal PA coming here from the Western Division and then some big road games like Kutztown on the schedule again. Kind of the big rivalry now for Shepard. They'll head to Westchester as well. Shippensburg. Yeah, so uh, those will be definitely some games you want to tune into on TV10. Really all season that you want to tune into because this team is really fun to watch. Looking forward to it. I can't wait until uh, Thursday night of next weekend this week because we'll have us a high, high school football this week. Yeah, we'll talk about that more next, but that'll do it for this segment of the Sports Mix, brought to you in part by Hagerstown Ford, revolutionizing the car buying experience. Buy your next vehicle online. They'll deliver it to you. If you don't like it, they'll take it back. Go to HagerstownFord.com for more. On the other side of this break, we'll talk high school football as it begins this week here in the Mountain State. That's next. After this two-minute break, you're tuned to the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. These days of dark, wish we the high school football season in the Mountain State kicks off Thursday, August 25th, when the Hedgesville Eagles host the Washington Patriots. Childress takes the snap, lowers the shoulder, pounds his way in for six. Touchdown, Patriots. 17-0 here, 11.53 to go in this fourth quarter. Kickoff between Washington and Hedgesville is scheduled for 7 p.m. with the pregame show at 6 p.m. right here on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. You're tuned into the Sports Mix with Spencer and Nick on Talk Radio WRNR 106.5 FM, AM 740 and TV 10. Welcome back to this August 22nd edition of the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Spencer Bunick, Verzellini, and Colin McLaughlin. Happy to have you with us. EPAC football. Well, I guess football in the Mountain State begins this week, and uh, we'll have the first game here in the Eastern Panhandle Thursday night as Washington travels to Hedgesville. Uh, Guys, and uh, then we'll obviously have the Martinsburg-Salem game on Friday. But, guys, we've been able to go to every camp this summer. Uh, Something that we didn't get to do last summer as we were, you know, pretty new in this, trying to get everything else ready to go. But now uh, probably going to be an annual thing where we do EPAC All Access because the show's turned out pretty well, got a lot lot of compliments. Things things seem to work out pretty well. Uh, But not only did it give us time to, you know, interview coaches and players, but we also got time to go watch those teams practice. And, uh it seems like this is as we you know as you we if you watch those shows epac is the epac again once again this year and uh just seems like it's going to be a tough battle for two through six that's kind of the number one spot seems to be locked up with martinsburg but the rest of the rest of the five teams seem to be in a battle for who's going to get where yeah i mean we keep saying that and and again it it does seem to be martinsburg each and every year as it has been but you still don't know. So I think the team's got to go in with that mindset that you never know what could happen and you could end up being that top team in the EPAC. Um, you know, on paper, it's definitely Martinsburg has the most talent, you know, they have the most kids probably, and, and they're going to most likely be the best team. But uh, I think your mindset still has to be, hey, can we get that number one seed uh, in the state? Can we win the EPAC? And uh, I think that should be the goal of each and every team, even though Martinsburg's been so dominant over the years. Uh, but in terms of you know looking at the rest of the teams in the EPAC, 
uh, because you're right. It, it is Martinsburg's division, or yeah, I guess division to conference. lose conference. Yeah, it literally says EPAC. C stands for conference, <laughs> but it's their conference. Took you to this lose. long to figure that out, Nick? Yeah, yeah, just figure that one out. Call PSAC, EPAC. Crazy. C yeah. stands for conference. AFC. Crazy. American Football Conference. Crazy. Yeah. All right, let's get back to EPAC here. Uh, but really looking at the rest of those teams, um, I think, again, I would probably put Jefferson two. And then three, I want to get a little crazy. I'm going Washington. Now, the reason I say Washington could get three is I think their schedule might be the easiest. And that's not necessarily that they're playing bad teams, but they do play you know, a lot of to a school so they could maybe get that three because record wise they should get some more wins than maybe a school like Musselman who might have more talent but uh, plays that really tough schedule so I, I would probably put Musselman then in the four spot and then either Hedgesville or Spring Mills in the five six but like I said before even if you're the sixth best team in the EPAC I think you're going to be fighting for a playoff spot the whole year yeah I, I would tend to agree on that and i you know that was an interesting hot take there nick with look, uh, putting washington at three i look at their schedule i think they got a lot of winnable games now will they prove to to be that team we'll have to wait and see uh but i'm i'm pretty high on washington i don't know like i think muscleman could beat washington when they play head to head but i just think that washington record wise might end up with a better record at the end of the year. So I'm going to pose a question to you then, since you mentioned Washington as your third EPAC team, and it's because they have a little bit of a weaker schedule playing some double uh, A schools. But I do think they're challenged. I didn't get to the question. I, I, but before we pose that question, when you look at the Virginia schools on their on their schedule, I do think Parkview could be a pretty easy win. I think Independence is going to be hard because that's a building school that's pulled talent uh, that's from the programs that are being built at the youth level there in Ashburn, Virginia, which has Stonebridge, Briarwoods, Broad Run, all of which have won state championships in the last 10 years and have great grassroots young leagues. So I think that that team, you look at it, they're a new school. I think it's going to be a tough schedule, tough game, out-of-state game on the schedule for, uh, for Washington. Uh, but now pose your question. So my question to you is since – for the state playoffs it's kind of via a point system they go with a certain amount of points if it's a win against a double a school so on so forth you know how it works from last year if they go like a seven and three maybe an even eight and two because of that week schedule though will we still see them as a lower seeded team come the playoffs and will that uh even though they're seeded or Record-wise, the third-best team in the EPAC, are they truly that third-best team, even though their record shows that? Yeah, that's more of a prediction for standings. If I were ranking the teams based on like talent and stuff like that, I would probably put Musselman ahead of Washington, but I think I still have Washington in that four spot. Uh, and we'll know more on Thursday night, right? I mean, that's yes. going to really show us a lot. I think Washington-Hedgesville, it's going to be a close game. Um, because I think they're both physical football teams. I think Hedgesville's got now that confidence. They kind of got their stuff together offensively, and they shouldn't have as many penalties as they did last year in that game. Um, So, you know, we'll kind of get a really good look at Washington, but I just think that they have a lot of things that you look for in a successful football team. An offensive line, you know, they don't have – big quarterback play they're not going to throw the football but they're going to be able to run it and i think especially when you have a big strong team when you're going up against smaller schools that have less big kids typically 
you're going to probably get those wins. So I think those are some wins for them. I think they can get EPAC wins, uh, at least against Hedgesville and Spring Mills, um, and can probably compete with Musselman and Jefferson as well. Uh, so I could see them getting that three. Now, will that end up being how it is? Who knows? But I, I can kind of see it. If you want to make your predictions and you're watching on Facebook, just kind of post it on the comments. We'll read those off. But, you know, one thing I want to say is I think that, you know, when we look at this this conference and, you know, you're going to look at some of these teams in this conference that are building. We know that a lot of these teams are building up Spring Mills, Washington, um, and Hedgesville included those three teams. They're the the three ones that you want to see the most improvement from this year. And, and I know that, you know, going out to all these schools, you know, we didn't get to watch a lot of Musselman practice. We'll have to say due to, that, due to the storm that kind of came through in our schedule trying to get all these shows filmed. Uh, but I will say being able to watch – uh, Washington's practice, being able to watch Hedgesville's practice and Spring Mills' practice, you can kind of see where these teams – you can really see where these teams are getting better. You know, spotlighting Hedgesville specifically, a team that I'm going to broadcast a game with on, on Thursday night, I think that when you go to a practice last year compared to this year, totally different. And I think, you know, this, this third year, this first real summer – of not having to worry as much about COVID as you did the last two summers and actually having summer workouts compared to two years ago, um, I, I think that you're going to see a much improved, specifically a Hedgesville team, because when we were there, they and you know you heard from Coach Matt Faircloth, it's a lot more it, not teaching. It's a lot more installing what they want to do this year, and I think that's going to be a big key. How will Hedgesville do? You know, you look at that schedule uh, for Hedgesville, and they're – hosting Washington this week, but then they're going to play an out-of-state game next week at Warren County in Virginia, then East Fairmont. I believe East Fairmont's a double-A team. Um, and then home against Morgantown. Just want to see how Morgantown is as a team because they're a team that can uh, ability to be a very tough team in the state. You know, they've had runs prior, but I think that uh, week four and week five schedule when they're going to have to go you know they're hosting Morgantown, but then they have to go to Martinsburg. I think that that's going to be a two-week stretch where that will kind of determine is this team going to stand up? Because you know facing Martinsburg, almost every team last year didn't have a chance in the conference. And you know last year I wouldn't I, even put the word almost in that. Uh, well, I mean I'm talking about last year. What was it? Twenty-one to nothing against Hedgesville at halftime. I think they were. Yeah. I would say they were kind of in it, and in in a way, if you put this year's team in last year's game, I think it would have been a lot different. Uh, but I think those two weeks are going to be huge for that Hedgesville team. And then when you look um, at this Washington schedule, we're going to know a lot after these first two weeks playing playing Hedgesville and Spring Mills. Uh, and then, you know, Frankfurt, a you know, tough school in double A. Uh, then those two Virginia teams you're going to have to go to after that. Uh, and then, you know, looking at that Martinsburg game kind of squarely in the middle right there at the six six game I think that'll be tough and how they finish out the season Musselman and Hampshire and Jefferson I think that'll be tough uh then obviously you know you look at Musselman coming back bringing a lot of guys back that were hurt last year um you know their first three weeks they're all on the road well first four weeks are all on the road but first three weeks are EPAC opponents they'll already have three of their EPAC they'll already have half of their more than half of their EPAC schedule uh out of the way by the end of the day on September 9th, and I think that that's going to 
kind of see where they are as a team. Uh, then they'll be at Sharano, Virginia, hosting Morgantown, hosting Hedgesville, at Wheeling Park, hosting Washington, hosting Bridgeport, and then at Parkersburg to end the season. I think that could be big for Spring Mills. It, it, they're still a very young team, and I think that the way that Coach Sims has this team running could be could make it a successful team down the line. Um, I, I think that this may be still a year of growth for them, and I think that they'll they'll be able to take wins where they can. But I think it's going to be a tough year overall. And, and then when you look at the Jefferson team, how will this quarterback play? I think that's going to determine where they go. They seem to have a pretty good defense and special teams. What's their solution at kicker? Because if you watch the Pack All Access, their kicker was hurt over the summer, and they're trying, still trying to figure out if he could play. That we recorded a week ago, so I, you know, that's two weeks before the season. You know, you know, less than fourteen days before the season, and I think that that's going to be a big kicker uh, to literally not pun no pun intended there actually i wasn't saying thinking that as a pun but i think you know when you look at that schedule they have they're at millbrook and virginia they were one and nine last year millbrook's a team that can always turn things around then they're home against Sharando out of virginia uh their team looking to turn things around this year that's on a bunch of epac team schedule then you got musselman spring mills back to back week three and four that'll be a big uh task to see where they are in the epac and then you know there's two teams out of north and south hagerstown five and six James Wood out of Virginia 7. Then they kind of pack the rest of their EPAC schedule in the final three weeks, which could help things depending on how, how they are as as a, as a team when it comes to week 9, 10, and 11. I think that's going to be huge for this Jefferson team is will their quarterback be able to get into a good rhythm by then? And you know if, if you have those three games in the final three games of the season – when you're, you know, those teams in Washington and Hedgesville are fighting for playoff spots at that point, hopefully, potentially, they should be. Here's my early week one thoughts. Jefferson, I think it'll be a little bit closer. I think they still get that win over Millbrook. I think Martinsburg's going to uh, look really good here against Salem this week, even though Salem's coming back with a pretty strong team as well. I think it's going to be pretty similar of an outcome to uh, last year. And then the EPAC games, or EPAC games against both schools being involved, not the uh, non-conference ones like the ones that I just mentioned, I guess is what I'm going for. I think Spring Mills, Musselman, it'll be competitive in the uh, first half, but Musselman picks things up and uh, pulls away there in that second half. And then my hot take for this uh, Washington-Hedgesville game, even though history the past few seasons shows that uh, Washington has been the uh, victors in both via shutouts, I think this week or this time around, it's a coin flip game. I, I really can't decide. I think it's going to be a one point game, and low going, scoring one point game that comes down to a special teams mishap or something. I don't necessarily crazy know it's like a that. low scoring game. It could potentially be a high scoring game. I think we see upwards of over twenty one. I don't think these two teams are built for team. shootouts just yet. So I, I'm going to say twenty. Low twenties. I'm not making a prediction. I don't make. I'm not going to give a full on score. Yeah, for. but I, just... I'm saying this is a coin flip game that little things that go a team's way is going to determine that they're the winners. These two teams, I can't really give an edge to either one from what we've seen. And uh, going to the Facebook comments, Brett uh, Brian Titus, excuse me, has Martinsburg one, Musselman two, Washington three, Spring Mills four, Hedgesville five, and Jefferson six. Whoa, I think. That's a big leap to throw Jefferson all the way back to six, and I think it's a big leap to throw Spring Mills all the way to four just with how young that team is. Yeah, that's a young team, and that's really surprising, Brian, and I don't agree 
Jefferson right now, they got so many weapons coming back. They're going to make the playoffs. You can't put them sixth in the EPAC. They got them sixth in the entire state right now for the preseason. I mean, come on. I would say that uh, Musselman and Jefferson are two tough teams to read this year. Because I think Musselman, when you look at what's coming back for them, I mean, they have their quarterback back. They have two all-state caliber wide receivers back. So, like, that on paper should probably put you in the two spot. But then they have such a hard schedule, and they had a lot of injuries last year, and it's like, what's going to happen this year with all of that stuff? Um, so they're a team I could see either finishing, like, second or fifth, like anywhere in that range. Yeah, And, and uh, I, I think, think talent-wise, they could definitely be the two. It, it's just they're a tough team to read. And then Jefferson's tough because of the quarterback questions – but you just got to look at the overall picture there, and it's like they have so much around whoever ends up being the quarterback that those guys should be able to make up for any of his maybe mistakes or just inexperience. Uh, so that's that's the thing. Like if you have that much talent, you got to at least see them getting six wins. So they're probably at least the fourth best team in the EPAC. Uh, and I think they could rise all the way up to two. I guess. And I think you have to factor Evan Tool in there because yeah. if they can't get things going, I think the running game is going to be a huge, even even if they can, I think the running game, the being able to balance the running and passing game is going to be a big, big part of this Jefferson season because Evan Tool, you got, you know, could be a top running back in the state depending on how things fly for him this year. And if you have to, I mean, you get creative with things. I mean, Coach Hunter will may might have to change his offense at some point this season, which probably won't be good for Jefferson because mid-year if you have to change the offense. But if they end up seeing, you know, struggles from the quarterback, I mean, if, if you have to, you can find different ways to get these, these other talented wide receivers the football uh, because they have so many good athletes there on offense that – if you have to, you'll find ways. So I Yeah, mean, you don't want to go one-dimensional, but it is a possibility that you won't throw out. Yeah, ARM. That's what you're going for to say. Yeah. ARM chimes in on Facebook. Muscleman's schedule is much stronger than any other EPAC team other than Martinsburg. I would agree. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I think, I think we would all agree schedule with that. In, in the EPAC, maybe even the second-best schedule in the state. I mean, I haven't looked at everybody's opponents, but uh, you know, you're playing all really good teams either around here in the EPAC or – uh, in Virginia with Sharando and then also, you know, playing Bridgeport and Parkersburg, those teams are good. And, and along with Wheeling Park, Brett Phillips is back for them at quarterback. He's one of the top quarterbacks in the state. Uh, so Bridgeport, we know they're really good. They're really tough physical team. And, and Parkersburg's always good too. When you look at this schedule, uh, having only scheduled one out-of-state team and their in-state opponents that are non-conference uh, Morgantown, I think it just depends. on I haven't read much into them yet this year, but Wheeling Park, always good. Uh, it seems like Bridgeport, always top there. And, you know, they can just run away with a ball game if they can take the lead and kind of get into the driver's seat. And then Parkersburg, you said, is, is always a good team as well. So I think, you know, we we talked to Coach Brian Thomas about this. Just the way that he's built this schedule uh, is championship caliber schedule, I think. Yeah, and I, I think if you get those wins, you know, then you're looking at a really good seating for Musselman when it comes to playoff time. But it's just a question of, 
you know, if all those teams that you have to play, are you able to be – are you actually good enough to get those wins? I don't know. I mean, I think Musselman has a, a good coach in Brian Thomas. I think they have a good program, but it's just a really tough schedule. I've said it before. They have one of the toughest schedules in the state. Over half the teams on Musselman's schedule are playoff caliber teams, including the ones from out of state. So if they make the playoffs, I think other than Martinsburg and out of all the other teams in the state, they were will be the ones, if they make it, that deserve it the most after what they had to go through regular season-wise. It's going to be tough, and even if they fall to a 5-4 and four spot, I think they're a dark horse in those lower seeds to knock off some of those bigger seeded teams. All right, there you go. That'll do it for this segment of the Sports Mix, brought to you in part by Orsini's Home Store. Not just an appliance store any longer. Cabinets and designer bedding, outdoor living, and his family-owned and operated right here in Martinsburg. You can go to Orsini's.com for more on their side of this break. We'll talk NFL Commanders, Steelers, Ravens, all having preseason games between Saturday and Sunday. We'll talk about that when we come back. You're tuned to the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Back in two minutes. Now, back to the Sports Mix with Spencer and Nick on Talk Radio WRNR 106.5 FM, AM 740, and TV 10. Welcome back to this edition of the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Spencer, Nick, and Colin hanging out with you today. We'll get into some NFL action preseason week two. Wrapping up, uh, the Commanders fell to the Chiefs 24-14 to on Saturday. A lot of question marks coming out of that ball game, uh, mainly on the defensive side as well as the third down offense as well. But Colin, what did you take from that game? Maybe I'm overreacting because it's the preseason but that game really the optimism that I had for this season was lost a lot. Yes. This Washington Commanders team, the offense when the starters were out there did not impress me at all. The defense did not impress me one bit. The ones that what I said all last week was you got to improve with the third down defense that I, I think we saw the opposite of improve yeah i think it's pretty clear also on offense who's your number one running back and it's not antonio gibson it's got to be the rookie brian robinson jr which is i guess a bright spot but still a question mark because he's a rookie i mean you saw what one carry did he get did gibson get any more after the one he carry got two carries for three yards was, two carries for three yards that's one he was out there as your kickoff pop. returner uh, this team is Unless they're trying to intentionally like, did get a hide return. some things until the regular season. I'm no longer really looking forward to how this team's going to do this season. I think the huge question now, because uh, I believe, what's his face? I can't remember his name. He was a rookie last year. He had to step in for Chase Young. He is now hurt and on the IR. Uh, Botani? Rotani, I think it is. I think is I his don't name. Know. Uh, Bom- Botani wrote it's an interesting name I didn't couldn't remember it off the top of my head but basically he's out and uh, that could be huge for them um, but you know who gets activated today it's Bu- Bunny Me Rotimi 
is his name. Okay. Bunmini Rotimi. Uh, but you know who gets activated today, Colin? Gives me yes. some help. Logan Thomas activated off the pup list. Here's just one answer that he had uh, from his press conference earlier today. You that they, 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 you that you needed to do to get clear, or did you kind of feel like you were kind of been ready for a bit? So we did some some extra tests last week. Um, like looked at force plate jumps and power outputs, uh, how my landing is, if I'm landing too much on the right or the left, and all that stuff was better than it was last year at this time. Uh, so there really wasn't much I could do left on that other field. Um, for me, it's just now getting back and in, integrating contact into my daily routine and getting used to it and. You know, building from where I've been. When do you- and that's good to hear because obviously the tight end position is 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 lackluster at this point without Logan Thomas, John Bates, Cole Turner both hurt, Samus Reyes on the IR, Curtis Hodge is your leading tight end along with Armani Rogers and Eli Wolf, uh, or your leading receivers in the preseason uh, for tight ends. I don't think you can go forward with that, and it's glad good to see Logan Thomas back because you need your starting tight end. Yes, you do, especially since uh, you've seen throughout Carson Wentz's career, he likes using a receiving tight end as a uh, weapon. And Logan Thomas, uh, his ceiling is one of the top five, I'd say, yeah. tight ends in the league. He started as a quarterback. at 100%. But that's the question mark, right? Coming back off an injury, will he be 100% and get back to the numbers that we know he can have as a Washington commander now but still we've only seen one touchdown pass in the two preseason games from Carson Wentz he went six of nine the last game 64 total yards he hasn't thrown an interception so I guess that's okay but I'm still not impressed yeah and uh will obviously be more to come but they have the preseason finale this Saturday 7 p.m against the Ravens uh don't expect don't expect Wentz to play in that game. Don't expect a win. The Ravens are what now? Yeah, we'll get 22? into that. We'll get into <laughs> that in a minute. Now? Yes, it is. Yeah, it is 22. Yeah. But we'll move up to the Steelers. Uh, we kind of mentioned this on Friday that uh, that Kenny Pickett was going to get more, quote, varsity action. Now the headline is Mike Tomlin calls Mason Rudolph a varsity guy in a JV game. So I don't know where we're getting this varsity and JV Mike stuff. Mike Tomlin's looking to be a high school head football coach. I guess so. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, when you look at that Steelers game, win from the weekend, they beat the Jaguars 16-15. to 15. Mason Rudolph, 17 of 21, 127 yards and a touchdown. Kenny Pickett, 6 of 7, 76 yards, one touchdown. Mitch Trubisky, 5 of 6 for 60 yards, no touchdown. Uh, but uh, these quarterbacks seem to be all at about the same rate. Yeah, I think you got to be a little bit worried about the Steelers in the AFC North this year because that was the big question mark. You know, what are they going to get out of the quarterback position and Mitch has looked good, Pickett has looked good, and Rudolph has looked decent, I think. And really, he looked good last game, but like Coach Tomlin said, a varsity guy playing JV. So, uh, sometimes, though, there's that good old saying of if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have a quarterback. So no, they got three quarterbacks. Also, yeah, they have three quarterbacks. That could also be what we're seeing here in the preseason. But... Um, you know, I, I still go with what I said before. I think Mitch Trubisky will be their starting quarterback, at least to start the season. And uh, based on what we've seen, though, Kenny Pickett, I think, definitely seems to have the ability to play at this level. Uh, so I think the Steelers are going to find a way to still be in contention for the playoffs. 
even without Ben Roethlisberger and losing some of their weapons just because of age and stuff like that, the Steelers are still going to be in that 8-9-10 win mark when it's all said and done. That's the Pittsburgh way. It's just whether they go with Trubisky, which I still think they need to do. Starting-wise, I know uh, this morning uh, on Eastern Panhandle Talk, Rob and uh, Phil were getting a pretty heated debate on that, but I still think you got to go with Trubisky, and I think he'll be fine for them this year to give Kenny Pickett some more room to uh, learn from the sidelines, and if for some reason Trubisky doesn't do well, you throw Pickett in there because he's looked good in the preseason. Yeah. Uh, Knicks Ravens get another victory in their 22 straight wins in the preseason, a record 24-17 win over the Cardinals. Uh, obviously, no starters really there for the Ravens. Tyler Huntley, 13 of 14, 129 yards, a touchdown. Anthony Brown, 10 of 13, 91 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. Seemed like some quality backups there for the Ravens this year. And then when you look on the Cardinals side, you know who got the start and played majority of the game for them? Trace former. Yeah, former Raven Trace McSorley. Uh, he went 18 to 34, 229, two picks, no touchdowns. And he didn't throw it on the dime, did he? No. But he did throw it to the Ravens a few times. Kyle, Kyle Fuller got a pick. Uh, he'll be a contributor in the nickelback spot for the Ravens. So, one of their starters, uh, Travis Jones, though, goes down in the fourth quarter, uh, the big rookie third round pick. So, concerned about him. It's extended knee, supposedly, from hardball, but. You know, Harbaugh gives as little details as possible, so an extended de- knee could be something actually really bad. So hopefully it's not uh, for the Ravens' rookie D-tackle. Yeah, and that'll do it for this segment of the Sports Mix, brought to you in part by Parsons Ford, Kim Parsons Ford in Martinsburg. We became number one by making you number one. First, go to ParsonsFord.com for more. On the other side of this break, we'll wrap things up on this edition of the Sports Mix, talking Nats and O's. O's played last night in the Little League Classic. Nats, uh, announcement comes out last night about them. We'll get into that more, plus, or more next, when we wrap things up on today's edition of the Sports Mix. You're tuned into the Sports Mix with Spencer and Nick on Talk Radio WRNR 106.5 FM, AM 740 and TV10. Welcome back to this final segment of the Sports Mix for your Monday, August 22nd, 2022, brought to you in part by the Marius Group and Ameriprise Financial Advisors, John Everson and Phil McCoy. You can call Ameriprise Financial Services at 304-263-4343 or stop by their offices right here in Martinsburg at 1270 Winchester Avenue. Spencer Punick, Rosalini, and Colin McLaughlin hanging out with you for the next uh, three and a half or so minutes as we will get into some baseball content here. Uh, the Nationals split the series with the Dodgers out in San Diego. Uh offense coming at good times except for yesterday they lost two to one uh i will have to say that their their losses uh they lost um they beat them three to one thursday beat them six to three uh friday night saturday they lost two one and they lost two one yesterday so the offense seemed to fall out towards the end of the series uh but i have to say yesterday patrick corbin coming in and uh playing a lot better in his second start back from uh taking a step out of the rotation and working on his mechanics a little bit uh he went five and a third inning nine hits two runs uh over that span and three strikeouts which is not bad for a guy that's given up at, at times in the last month or the last two months has, hasn't even gone a whole inning a couple times yeah uh and obviously patrick corbett has one of the bigger team and hasn't yeah. really pitched to that level over the past couple of years for whatever reason so maybe uh him taking this time to work on his mechanics and stuff can 
get him back to maybe not the level he was once at, but if he could be, you know, a reliable starter, I think that would be big for Washington, whether they do return to some success here in the near future or if they decide to trade him and and potentially get some prospects for Corbin. But right now he's not giving you any value, uh, or at least he hadn't. So if he can really uh, work on those things and get back to a, a decent level, I think that would obviously be good for Washington. And that's the uh, words that I was going to use was reliable. Because during the rebuild, you need somebody like that. So if, Darn it. if he doesn't give any reliability and has to continue struggle-wise in that rotation, all the money that you're giving him will seem like a waste, and that's what you don't want. Yeah, you don't want that at all. And uh, the Nats, they will play in next year's MLB Little League Classic against the Phillies on Sunday night, October, August 20th. It will air nationally on ESPN as ESPN's part of ESPN's Sunday Night Baseball. The O's did so last night, and it seemed like a great day for them to get out and interact with those kids. I saw a bunch of videos, was actually watched, just clicked over on uh, ESPN and saw they were sliding down the hill with those kids. Yeah, I saw that. Richie Martin uh, took out a kid sliding down the hill. <laughs> I saw that. And... Uh, but Adley Rutschman was obviously like the big star. Adley Rutschman gave every single Orioles fan a heart attack when he uh, went down that hill. Cause I he, think uh, a couple of Orioles came off did. the cardboard and did a little bit of a tumble. Yes, I saw a couple. They jumped. They were interviewing manager, uh, the manager, and he, Brandon, he Brandon, yeah, Hyde. Brandon Hyde, and he was kind of concerned there for a minute. Yeah. Um, but that was a fun game, and I don't watch Sunday Night Baseball, but I don't think they mic up the players unless it's like the these special games. I think they should start doing that more. I don't know it if they normally do it or not. Yeah, I can't remember. If I think that, that stuff's not. cool, the on-the-field interviews. I think that adds to baseball. If you can do it, I think it would get more people uh, tuned in uh, because Christian Arroyo was really funny. He told Rugen Odor not to punch him when he got to second base. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and he's a Red Sox. And and, Cedric Mullins was funny, too, because he couldn't hear. Hasn't that been a decade ago when people still make that joke? That's that's so funny. funny. And... uh, you know, Austin Hayes is cool to hear from him, so I like that. All right, well, that'll do it that for this edition of the Sports Mix. For Colin, Nick, I'm Spencer saying so long. We'll talk to you tomorrow on another edition of the Sports Mix.